Hello and welcome to Particular, a podcast that talks about particular topics and ideas in not a particular way. My name is Anastasia Vertnikova and I wanted to start by saying that it's my first attempt at hosting a podcast myself. Quite scary actually. There will be six episodes this season covering different topics that hold an important place in my life. Consider it an introduction in the length of the whole season. So without further ado, let me introduce my first guest, Jack Dodd. Uh, he's a mental health advocate and the partnerships manager Ping News. And we decided to talk about something that's been affecting our lives for quite a long time and became an inseparable part of ourselves. So let's get started. Hello, Jack, and uh, welcome to my podcast. And I'm really glad that you decided to to be my first guest. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about our personal experiences with OCD. And I want to mention that I'm a big fan of what you're doing and um, that on LinkedIn, you make posts about OCD and share your personal experience, which for me is very important. Uh, because when I was growing up and also like before moving to UK, I couldn't find any online presence uh, of people like sharing their personal stories with OCD. So I really want to start by asking you a random question. Uh, does it bother you when people tell, I'm a little bit OCD myself? <laughs> like, what what do you tell these people? Because I don't know what to answer on that. <laughs> um yeah so hi thank you for having me on I didn't realize that I was gonna be your first guest actually so I, I feel very honored um so what do I say in those situations um yeah I mean it's frustrating um and I think up until maybe last year I wouldn't have been as bothered but you know for me personally I've experienced just how like devastating living with OCD and how how much of an impact it can have on your life so it it does affect me a little bit more now when I do hear comments like that um yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one because it is I think it's just a general misunderstanding of OCD just being this preference for having things tidy and you know nine times out of ten when we hear people say those kind of things they don't really understand kind of the impact of what they're saying and what it's really like to have OCD um so yeah, it's it's tough. I don't have like a, a, a secret answer really to how to how to navigate that. But um yeah, I think doing things like this to raise awareness is really the start. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Because I sometimes feel like a personal responsibility to explain to people that it's not a good thing to say that. But at at the same time, like there's internet, you can read about it, there's a lot of information. And at the same time, I remember myself uh, not understanding what OCD is and feeling very um, scared of all the like the feelings I have and all the things that are happening that I can't explain. So, how was your journey beginning? Like, how did you identify it? Did you have the info straight away, or were you like questioning what is happening, being scared of it? Um, I think that, I mean, it was quite, it took me quite a long time to, I think, recognize what I had was OCD. And, um, for me, so my dad passed away suddenly when I was 13. And I remember after that happened, I would really, um, 
like check the locks quite a lot so when I went out the front door like I would kind of check the door like maybe like five to ten times before I was happy to move away and then even then it was felt with like the sense of dread that maybe I hadn't locked the door and things weren't safe so that was my I guess earliest significant moment where looking back it kind of maybe pointed towards having some symptoms of OCD um but for me it wasn't really until I got older and started living like independently and I really struggled with like contamination in the kitchen and being really worried about like harming others um and that that for me was when I I think I really started to seek help and started to recognize that this wasn't kind of normal in inverted commas so yeah I um like for me as well I uh, have a history of like OCD for for the last 15 years and in Russia, it's not recognized as a, as a, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, how, do, how do you, what do you call it? Is it a mental illness or would you call it like, what kind of term would you use? Because I always struggle to say that because it's not a visible uh, thing that people can't notice that straight away. So how would you call that? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's, it's part of the kind of mental health. Umbrella. Mental health. Yeah, yeah. Mental, mental health issue for sure. Um, and like I said, until, and until I kind of recognized just how bad things can get and how much of an impact OCD can have on your life. I didn't, I don't think I really took it as seriously as I should have up until that point. I'd always tried to like get by and just thought that it was just something that I would naturally get over. But for me, it kind of got worse and worse until I took the steps to kind of have medication and really like, like really crack down on it within therapy. So did you decide to go straight to therapy or did you try anything else uh, before that? So because I know from my experience, for example, traditional talk therapy like psychoanalysis or other types can be really harmful for OCD. And um, not every therapist is um, trained to do CBT. So it's basically all like NHS therapists. So what's your journey on that? Like, did you go straight to CBT or did you try anything else before that? So I did have CBT um, to start with. Um, I've had therapy. I'd had therapy before that that was more focused on coming to terms with my sexuality, dealing with my dad's death and, and other things. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did go to CBT to, um, to start with. Uh, I think I had that for maybe a few months. Um, and that started to, that helped me to understand, I think, the, the cycles that I was getting into and understanding a little bit more about, um, like, not being able to tolerate certain emotions and um, kind of understanding that emotions do kind of peak and then, like, naturally um, reducing their intensity Uh even without kind of action necessarily. And I think that was what, I think that really opened my eyes to understanding what was going on for me because, you know, I'd, I'd get this intense emotion or like this fear and then I'd take action. And that, cause that felt like the logical solution that felt like the right thing to do. And then through understanding, you know, actually what was going on for me, I then could start to unpick it. Um, I mean, having said that, I have also had psychotherapy as well. Um, 
and you know maybe it's I, I'm not kind of sure if on, on the like official recommendations but I, I did actually find that helpful as well to kind of understand more about myself and understand kind of how earlier experiences impacted it but also what I was bringing up in that moment with my therapist as well um, and kind of the relation I had with like authority and being really afraid to do something wrong like that that for me really fed into um what was going on for me during those times so I think like all of these things it's um it's quite nuanced and there's quite you know we all have quite a complicated history and a complicated um makeup within us so for me it was a combination of different um practices but you know I'd always recommend for me it was like going through my GP um, I ended up seeing a um, a psychiatrist to make sure I was on the right medication and also to recommend me the therapy so kind of going down that that route and speaking to a GP was really the, the best start that I made to get to get the right help. And did you have anyone in your like um, friend circle or like your acquaintances that also had OCD like someone who could you could see um, some kind of a figure that you could ask questions about or like in media because I myself couldn't find anything like that and it would be really easy for like it would be easier for me if I could have someone or something to relate to so did you have that or no I didn't and I think that's part of that really contributes to this to the suffering you can feel having OCD because you you feel so alone and I think you know I've got great friends who are very supportive and great listeners but you know ultimately if someone doesn't have this experience it's kind of like it's hard to have the language to describe it especially when like for me for so many years I felt so much shame like so much shame that it was almost kind of crippling I couldn't talk about it and I felt so embarrassed and um, I was so frustrated with myself as well because I felt really silly when I would talk about the things that I would really struggle with like whether that was just I'm feeling really worried because, um, you know, I touched a bin and like I'm really now feeling anxious about the impact that's going to have. And I'm really afraid that someone's going to come to harm from these germs. And like I knew that when I had kind of the anxiety had come down, that when I was talking to someone about it, I knew that I like I knew that it didn't sound like a big deal to, to a lot of people. And it, I felt like it sounded really silly and I felt really embarrassed. So it's really hard because you're trying to deal with not only this at times terrifying thing that's going on in your head it's then also trying to yeah not only talk about it but then also you feel so embarrassed I felt so ashamed um and yeah not not knowing that it was a thing that a lot of other people go through and that's why that's why I think it is so important to speak out and if you're comfortable to share your experiences because it does really help others to to know that they're they're not alone dealing with something like this Yeah, because um, I couldn't find anything like in terms of like even fictional media, like for example, TV series or films, there's not a lot about uh, OCD. And for me, I thought maybe it is because it's um, not that visible, like on the surface. So you can't really like, because you look at the person, you can't tell, oh, this person has an OCD. You can't tell that. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's all about like very personal and very uh, nuanced, as you said before, N like all these nuances. 
But do you think uh, there should be more advocates to uh, talk about OCD, even if they don't have it, but, you know, like just to raise awareness and to talk about it? Because I, I can't find any even celebrities that would be like, you know, advocates for OCD. Or maybe you know some and you can tell us about it. Yeah, so um, George Ezra, the singer, he talks about having OCD and he describes, I believe, having pure O as part of his condition. So that was one person that I was aware, I guess, in, in the in the public eye. And I, I did listen to actually, thinking back, I did listen to some of the podcasts that he's done uh, with a friend of his who has, I think his friend has depression and George Ezra has OCD, so they talk about their mental health. Um but like we've said, you know, it, it is such a personal thing. And I guess it's having that, like, um, that kind of rich availability of different people's experiences to be able to see yourself reflected. Um, so yeah, I, I'm wholeheartedly behind more awareness and more people talking openly. And um, yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's hard. Like I've had the comments to me a couple of times, like, oh, I didn't know that you had OCD or... I wouldn't have thought that you would have had OCD and you know there's no there's no harm intended by intended by these comments but you know like how how would you and I guess that's part of it from my from my perspective I didn't want people to know because uh, it was such a personal thing um and actually for me it's something that I suffer with much more when I'm alone whereas sometimes when I'm around people it doesn't affect me as much um so like it is a very personal thing and you know like all all difficult experiences that you go through when you're alone or at home you know unless anyone's there to see it or you do talk to people about it no one will know about it i also wanted to ask you if you had the similar thing so for me one of the uh compulsions uh, uh would be the reassurance thing so basically always asking people if everything's going to be all right. And uh, yeah, like at first it was my mom, then uh, it was my girlfriend. So um, when I started CBT, I was really worried that it's also going to be like kind of a reassurance thing because you're kind of telling what you're feeling, what your fears are and like what your obsessions are. So for you, when you started CBT, was it hard not to fall into this like reassurance cycle or did you understand straight away the logic behind uh, like CBT and how that would help you? Because I was really scared from my personal experience and I was really scared to go to CBT. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think part of, or certainly part of my experience of OCT is taking responsibility to an extreme for situations, for safety, for trying to basically try and control things to try and make sure everything's going to be okay ultimately and yeah it's funny that then when you go to therapy you almost like I felt this responsibility like oh no don't give me reassurance because I know I'm not supposed to have reassurance and like you know these things that and I, I did but I think gradually I kind of learned over time like at the end of the day these are professionals who are there to support you and it's not like you know they're trained to if, if you if you seek support from someone who knows how to support somebody with OCD then you know it's it's kind of their job so I did kind of gradually manage to get that into my head and kind of like relax around that um but I can totally relate yeah I mean reassurance seeking is something that I've I've struggled with and um like kind of similar to you for me it was it was my mum for quite a long time 
and then as I kind of be, kind of got into the workplace kind of lived independently it was almost like wow my mum my mum can't provide reassurance for the kind of things I'm going through and that was really scary as well and then you might be seeking reassurance from like line managers or friends um and yeah like just thinking back you know the, the emotions that come up are just really really awful emotions that you're trying to navigate to try and deal with this intense fear that you have but you know that you're perhaps coming I always felt like I was coming across a little bit childish like I'm, I'm trying to seek reassurance from you and I did have a couple of friends be like you know are you okay because you, you are asking me it sounds like you want me to tell you what to do um and that for me came out significantly when it came to relationships and like should I break up with this person and oh gosh you know the, the circles that I go through so um yeah I think and that's why I mentioned earlier around understanding my relationship with the therapist as well it also kind of helped me to try and like empower myself and recognize when I was maybe getting into that frame of mind where I was taking everything that the therapist said as like I need to follow exactly what they say and it's kind of having space to develop my own line of thinking and my own mechanisms kind of helped me during that process um but yeah reassurance seeking is a is a really tough really tough element of OCD for sure I was also feeling like I'm being like you know a burden for everyone by asking them constantly and I was always like very um ashamed afterwards I, I can relate to what you're saying uh but yeah right now uh <laughs> like fast forward to now i one of the things that i did in cbt is there's a a contract that you do with your like your loved ones and uh you just ask them not to give you reassurance so from time to time now when i have um like some hard times with ocd uh my girlfriend she will be like nope I can't tell you what to do. No reassurance. We have a contract. It's official. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, that helps. That really helps because you kind of like, I just try to, you know, like the thing I, I did try before with CBT. And then I, uh, when I started doing CBT, I understood that it's kind of um, a, a thing. So I tried to postpone my compulsions. I was like, yeah, I need to do that because if I don't do that, something bad will happen. But let's see if I do it in an hour, for example. Will it change? And then I would just totally forget. And then would like, wow, that really helped. And I was like, after that, I understood that it's building evidence of like, there's a, I, I, I think you're familiar with theory A, theory B in uh, CBT. So basically, yeah, you just build evidence that nothing's going to happen and uh, you can't be responsible for everything. So what kind of breakthrough did you have? Like what was for you groundbreaking in CBT and um concerning your OCD can you share something I mean totally yeah I can I can relate and you know those times where you can can postpone any um any compulsions and kind of like I think for me like trying to observe so trying to see that okay, if I, if this thing's happened and I feel kind of triggered and my anxiety is really elevated and I feel I can, I can notice in my mind all of these kind of nightmare scenarios that I'm creating. And I feel like if I, you know, in my head is telling me that if I take this action, I'll be able to mitigate those bad things happening. And then, yeah, if you, if you postpone, if you postpone it, I think kind of then noticing um, how, how the anxiety changes. And I think for me, 
trying to be more of an observer to kind of see to see what's going on and kind of see what creative things my mind comes up with that's trying to kind of tell me to take that action still um but I think I don't I yeah I, I actually can't think of any specific example but I think understanding that principle for me of you know in a way one of the key ways of over overcoming OCD or making things better for yourself is action focused and knowing knowing that I need to take action that ultimately will make me feel uncomfortable and will raise my fear like and it's okay I think that like for me that's actually why I started posting on LinkedIn was to try and help me to overcome my anxiety my OCD was because I was so afraid that I would um I would say something so even if someone just got like a new job and I would say oh you know this this company is so so lucky to have you which obviously is meant as a compliment um I would be thinking oh is that is that company gonna read that and think that you know I've said something bad and will my friend lose their job because of this comment that I've made and I would just get into all of these like awful situations in my mind and then I would end up deleting the comment and I think then learning that actually you know that kind of action reinforces those thoughts and kind of understanding that cycle so for me it was a big uh it started off as a bit of an exercise to be more open on LinkedIn and part of that was was to to notice that each time I did post or I said something that was a bit more open or vulnerable I would feel really afraid um but actually kind of it's a bit of a cliche but like leaning in like observing seeing what was coming up and I could take that to my therapist and be like look this is what's coming up for me in this moment these are kind of things and like being able to work through that was really helpful for me so I guess you're seeing those opportunities where I think over time the more familiar that you become with yourself and with OCD the more that you recognize where those moments are that you kind of realize where you're being irrational and you kind of have that opportunity then to take action that isn't perhaps equally as irrational and and in line with what your OCD is telling you to do but um you know I definitely want to wrap this all in a if anyone's kind of listening to this that's struggling like it is really tough it's it's really tough and um you know it takes time and I think the other thing like I, I wholeheartedly am behind like what you're talking about with the CBT actions and kind of um theory A and theory B like I remember reading a book about that and it all it all comes back to me but I think also the massive thing that helped me was to just be more compassionate with myself and we hear that so much in society you know be kinder to yourself self-care all of this stuff but like this is serious business like with OCD you you have to be compassionate with yourself because it is bloody tough and what's really helped me is to 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 not be as harsh with myself because it's it's a really tough thing to live with and to have to deal with. So I think being compassionate with myself has been a big game changer for me. Yeah, I totally agree because um, I myself, um, it's a long journey to, you know, it may sound as a cliche, but it's a long journey to uh, learn how to love yourself. Sometimes it's like we, we love people that like our family, we love our partners, but sometimes we do really forget to love ourselves. And with OCD, um, it's like a bully inside us, you know. It's like a, another person that is sitting there and saying that you're not worth it or that you like you don't deserve to be happy, you don't deserve to be relaxed, you don't deserve to enjoy life, and that's why you're going to have these thoughts and these obsessions. But 
I also understand that um, it all depends on the on their brain in terms of like the atmosphere uh, like that surrounds you. Because for me, um, my parents didn't know anything about OCD, and I know that they couldn't help me. But in some ways, now when I'm trying to outline my map of OCD, and by doing that and updating it uh, like um, every time. I find myself uh, noticing the same trigger every time. So basically being harsh to myself is the main trigger. So giving myself, not giving myself enough credit, <clears throat> raising the bar too, too high. And yeah, I think it's also very important, I think, uh, for people that are listening, like if your kids are having OCD, is to try and <clears throat> just be more... more um, tolerant towards like what they're experiencing because yeah it's not that well known still unfortunately especially in my country like in back in Russia like they just don't know nothing about it and uh, I think here it's much easier and I was really surprised when I moved here that N NHS provided me with free sessions with the therapist which was like wow I, 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 I never knew that it's possible to do that so yeah I just I think it's also to be more compassionate and more uh, um, kind to one another and to yourself in the first place. And also, um, I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of medication, do you think that because it's a it's a it's a big debate on? Uh, some people say that it's like only CBT will help you, and like no medication will help you. But I think that it's a it's a combination of both. So from your experience, like, uh, did you start taking medication straight away or was it something that was just necessary for you in a moment? So how, how, how was it? How is it if you're still taking it? Uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've taken a few different types of medication for, for various mental health challenges and um, more focused towards kind of anxiety previously. Um, but then last year, my anxiety got really bad and I was struggling to like leave my flat. I was incredibly overwhelmed and I started taking medication then for OCD. Um, so I was prescribed fluoxetine and yeah, for me, like, you know, obviously, you know, all of these things are very personal and, and different things work for different people. Um, but for me, it was it was it, it was a lifesaver because it really just took down I'd say the my fear had got to a point where like my whole body kind of felt like it was on fire like it was that kind of level and I'd wake up in the night and I would just feel like I was my chest was burning and it really just like took down those really extreme symptoms it just it just took everything down a notch and I really need I needed the medication um I, I don't know how I would have coped without it and I'd really put off for a long time starting the medication because I felt guilty about it I felt like I should be able to deal with this myself I shouldn't need medication you know all of these things that I was telling myself um again with very little compassion and yeah it, it was a game changer for me starting to take medication because it just it it yeah it just it really helped me in that moment and that was that was the first kind of post that I did on LinkedIn about my mental health was about the fact that I take medication because I was almost 
I was almost so angry at society that it had taken me to being pretty much my lowest point to then be like, it's okay now to take medication rather than kind of justifying it to myself earlier on where actually I would have saved myself quite a lot of harm and tough experiences if I'd have started a bit earlier. Um, but with that said, you know, yes, I definitely agree. It's a combination because since starting to take the medication and I do still take it now, kind of must be about 13 months, 14 months later. Um, it's, it's, it's really helped me to see my emotions and my thoughts kind of just much more clearly as well. So I've been able to then kind of really do the work, which has also really helped with my progress and being able to feel better. So, uh, I personally think there is definitely a place for medication, um, especially if you're dealing with really extreme symptoms to try and help you. Um, and I always think people should make the decision that's right for them and not, not be affected by the stigma. Um, but yeah, that, that's been my experience. <clears throat> yeah, the stigma is really, it's really harsh because um, I can totally relate to what you're saying in terms of I, I have to be able to deal with it myself. And that's how uh, the society tells me. And that's how the, like the culture and like my, you know, my parents as well. So for me, it was really hard to, to, to start taking it. And for example, like back in Russia, when I started taking it last year as well, um, when I went to the pharmacy, people would look at me like, you know, they would judge me really. I haven't met with that here. So um, I would say it's more um, like it's calm here and uh, people are not that judgmental. But still like, yeah, in Russia it was a, a big, um, a very, very sad experience because I was really judged by the, the pharmacist, <laughs> the pharmacy. So, uh, and I started judging myself as well. I was like, so now from now on, what I will have to take it for the rest of my life in my, like, what is that like? I am. I am. I won't. Won't I be able to to deal with it? So, but yeah. Then, as I started being more compassionate, more kind to myself, I understood that it's it's such a helper, and uh, it allowed me to have strength and emotional uh, resources to do therapy. Because without it, I had anxiety. Like I, I can relate to what you were saying. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And it was for me, it was really hard to to get out of my house or like to sit still as well. For me, it was really hard because I couldn't sit in silence. I always had to walk and to listen to something, like to have something in the background just for me not to focus on the, the thoughts I was having. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really scary. But at the same time, um, here, I don't know... Um, like if you if you can tell me like do they talk about this in schools because for example like yeah in russian schools <laughs> i think everyone understands now like yeah um no one talks about it, like mental health in general and especially ocd so was it something that you could learn about in school was it something people would talk about i don't really remember <clears throat> excuse me i don't really remember learning much about mental health during school um maybe like the odd video here and there kind of I think it was in like PSHE kind of lessons um but yeah nothing only really scratching the surface I would say uh I definitely think it's been a much more recent I mean I, I left school kind of 
10, 11 years ago now. And I think a lot of progress has been made since then, especially when you look at like workplaces. Um, and I think that's a really good point as well that you make about like, we have to function, like we have to, you know, if, uh, you know, if, if people are really suffering, like of course they can kind of take time off work if they're able to, to and take sick leave. Um, but, you know, a lot of us have kind of responsibilities and things that mean that we can't take time off. And, you know, we have, like I said, we have to be able to function. And so that's for me, I wouldn't have been able to do that without medication. And, you know, there were days where I would otherwise, I think I would just like lay on my sofa for like the whole day if I didn't have kind of that support. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always been very passionate about better education in school around these things and even just kind of general practices like mindfulness for instance to help people to understand themselves better to feel like more relaxed be more conscious of their thoughts and those kind of things yeah sure and also um i assume uh your pronouns are he him is that yeah. correct yeah, yeah so you you identify as a gay man yeah okay so for you was it kind of were you met with more criticism because as a man people expect you because you know the society is still very very cruel to men showing their emotions so for you was it hard to share that those emotions and your story online and did you meet with any criticism being uh, a man and sharing your emotions that you can be vulnerable because for women i think it's a little bit easier but still not that much but yeah, for men, it's harder and um, I want to know how it was for you. Yeah, I, I did find that. I think that, yeah, there's quite there's quite a lot in that. I mean, I was I was bullied at school for my voice. Kind of kids thought that I was gay because of how my voice sounded. So I've always been quite self-conscious ever since of my voice. And so it's not kind of natural for me to feel something and then just express it because I, I kind of developed a bit of a filter to protect myself ultimately so I guess that's posting online in a way was kind of empowering because I could control the words that I put out there and you know the image that I put accompanying my words and so um I think it, it kind of depends so like I find that LinkedIn is, is generally quite a supportive place so on the whole it's generally been very positive um I've posted also about the times when I've cried um, in an office and, you know, I did get some comments from men ultimately kind of being critical of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, toxic masculinity is, is certainly something that does affect the conversation around mental health. And um, yeah, I, I think I definitely had internalized that and I still to still do to this day. I still feel like there's an expectation on me to, to be kind of well put together and strong. Um, also, when, you know, my, when my dad died when I was 13, um, I'm, an, I'm an only child, so it was just me and my mum. And, you know, some someone literally said to me within hours of my dad dying that I was now the man of the house and I had to look after my mum. And, you know, that responsibility certainly didn't help with things like OCD. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely have internalised the the expectation to 
to be masculine and to to not talk about emotions and feelings and I, I, I it's something that I still have to work on because it, to me it's it's easier to to post that online and then sometimes not do it necessarily in my day-to-day life and be open with my friends or my line manager when I'm struggling I still find that really hard because I think I talk out about this stuff I'm aware of this stuff I've been working on it for quite a long time like I should not be struggling at times and like that's it's just unrealistic um so continuing with that that self-kindness is is, is an ongoing thing when I was growing up I was in um the surrounding that um wasn't very fond of showing emotions and for me it's now like I I my, my parents got divorced and um uh, uh my mum like she she's she's I think how to say it correctly she's I think more progressive in terms of emotions so now I see when she's not influenced by um my dad and uh, uh even though I, I really love him but yeah she 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 became more on the journey to to like maybe consider therapy and more be more open in emotions and she also started uh listening to me and being more understanding so not only with OCD for example uh, with my sexuality because uh, uh, she's the only person in my family I came out to and she started being really considerate like recently we had a phone call and <clears throat> uh, she was talking with me and my girlfriend and she was like yeah I was in a bar and I, uh, I've i met these two girls and I was like I think they identify themselves as lesbians and I was like and she was like is it correct to call them like that? I was like, it's so sweet. Like you were really considerate of how to address them and how to tell about this to me. As for my dad, like I didn't come out to him, but I'm really looking forward to a moment when he can be open about his emotions because I can tell when he's struggling, he will never show that. And I think that it's not helping at all. You know, Uh, this toxic masculinity is, yeah, it's, uh so helping him at all like he 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 may look cool but um yeah it would be much better if he could show him his emotions and uh, even say when he's struggling so that um people that surround him would know when to help and i think in general just people need to to an extent be more open about how they feel because um i think one of the things that really affected me uh while uh, living with ocd is i lost a sense of emotions so just recently like it's it happened like several days ago I understood that wow now I feel sadness or wow now I feel happiness was it the same for you because I lost completely all the emotions because I was thinking that's just my thoughts they're telling me what I should feel or I, I couldn't trust myself my feelings so was it the same for you I think similar I think for me I'd learned in a way I'd I'd only learned to be responsive to like really intense fear or like really intense emotions so I didn't really pick up on subtle emotions and if I felt happy I probably started to get worried because I kind of thought what's going to go wrong or it didn't feel right in a way um so yeah I I think certainly in the last 18 months for me taking it kind of back to basics and 
yeah, recognizing when I felt certain emotions and like journaling for me has helped massively to just reflect on the emotions that I'm feeling, the thoughts that I have at that time, like what led up to that point. Um, I guess that's really helped me to relax around emotions and recognize that whatever I'm feeling is is valid and it all kind of ebbs and flows and you know I th- I think you use a really good word there around kind of like trust I think with OCD certainly in my experience you completely lose trust in yourself and yeah the more that you can I think relax and recognize that actually you are a normal human being and you know the emotions that you feel are okay um that's a massive that's a massive thing yeah, because I, I'm I'm like I'm only starting to get that trust back, and for me, yeah, it took ages, and um, it's just really hard because n- n- now when I start feeling emotions, I feel really overwhelmed by them, even though they're very subtle. But it's like either happiness or sadness as well. But yeah, and um, re- regarding this, um, I had a really interesting uh, question I was asked about is there anything you're thankful for because of OCD like any traits that you got because of OCD and you're thankful for them or would you just get rid of them uh and get rid of OCD like uh is there something that shaped inside of you that you're thankful for for OCD um I'm not sure I don't know. I think I maybe see it in a slightly different way. I, I feel like in a way, the the way that I am kind of made me susceptible to OCD in a way. And so like, it's all kind of like wrapped in as, as opposed to like OCD led to me having these traits. I kind of feel like the traits that I have and who I am made me susceptible to OCD. Like that's just the way that I, I see it. And um, I I think there are elements to it like I think in a way it can be a bit of a superpower like I am very I am very vigilant I'm very aware of what's going on around me and that I think has also contributed to OCG and kind of like picking up on like really subtle things and trying to um, take steps to make sure things are safe Um, so I think I've probably got like a real heightened vigilance and I do notice like details that maybe other people don't so like that that is definitely I think I think something that can be a real strength and I think kind of goes hand in hand with, with OCD. Um, uh, and I think, you know, having been through what I've been through, I, I think I will never take for granted just being at peace with myself and being able to just be at home because for me being at home was like, felt like the most dangerous place. Um, and to be able to be at home and feel like really safe and really relaxed is something that I'll never really take for granted. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I have like an appreciation of just being able to do like normal things and not, not just assume that that's just something that, um, it's just a given in my life. Um, and I think like a lot of these things as well, like empathy as well. Um, you know, I, I feel like I can, I feel like my heart kind of breaks anytime I hear anyone's story of any kind of like suffering because I, I just really go back to that place of knowing how low I've been and um, 
yeah I guess like having that emotional connection to someone that's that's suffering I think probably OCD contributed to that as well sure sure yeah yeah I I totally relate with the the attention to details and I sometimes I'm like oh that's a really nice skill to have like a really nice trait to have but would I leave it if I was asked like uh to get rid of my OCD of course like I would uh I would certainly uh, not wish OC, like OCD to be present in my life and I never wish like uh, anyone this experience that I've been through and like uh you as well and um but at the same time I'm really thankful to OCD that it made me who I am like it's uh it's still like an experience of a lifetime in in terms of uh, the the duration and uh it's been there like more than half of my life and certainly made me who I am now. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a hard one. (laughs) It is, it is a hard one. It is for sure. And I, I think going back to what you talked about earlier about understanding that principle of being uncomfortable, whether that's through fear or guilt or shame, like that doesn't mean that our bodies are telling us not to take the step that we want to to take. And I think part of coming to terms and um, in a way overcoming parts of my OCD, like that's been fundamental to that, but it's also so applicable to so many other areas of life as well. So like I wouldn't have started if I didn't have that understanding and had it like firmly in my head of like, there are times where I'm going to be uncomfortable. There are times when I'm going to be afraid. And that is absolutely not a reason to not do this thing. Like that's what led me to start posting on LinkedIn. That's what started like doing podcasts like this to start talking. And like, I know now that, and like I said, like I apply that to so many areas of my life. Like I know, I can kind of tell that when I'm being uncomfortable and it's also like, we talk about um, like inclusion and talking about race equity and, and other forms of inclusion in workplaces, for instance. And these are really uncomfortable topics that people find difficult and like for me, the fact that I'm going to get uncomfortable and feel these difficult emotions, I can really rationalize that like I'm in I'm in the right area here. Like I am uncomfortable when I'm engaging with these things. And absolutely, this is the right thing to do. Just because I'm feeling uncomfortable and fearful does not mean that I shouldn't proceed. And I think just like firmly standing behind that principle and continuing to put myself in situations within reason where I'm uncomfortable and fearful um, has given me so much more empowerment so I think learning what OCD is learning how you overcome OCD learning to live with OCD has then also meant that I can really go for the other things in my life that I never thought that I could so yeah there's there's like a I, th- I think having that understanding like it is it is an awful experience and not I, I, the same as you I'd never wish it on anybody but I can look back and think yeah I have really learned quite a lot and you learn a lot about the mind and life and emotions all intensified in trying to get to grips with your OCD. And um, yeah, I, 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 I totally understand that and I can totally relate to that. And um, for the last question, I want to ask you, what will you say to yourself in the beginning of your OCD journey, knowing what you know now? And like, what would you be your one ultimate advice? And I think it's also applicable to our listeners as well that are uh, maybe just coming in terms uh, with OCD and struggling with it. What would you say to them? I would say 
kind of seek help. I think seek help is is definitely the first the first step, and be kind with yourself. Um, I think if you can, one thing that I've learned is to try and like to try and slow down a little bit. So when those 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 emotions come in that feel like it's a life or death situation, when we feel like there's contamination or someone's going to get harmed, and we can kind of tell that we're being a bit irrational and we feel like this urge to act, I think the earlier that I could practice just trying to just sit with it and get into that mindset of, okay, like, it's okay, what's going on for me right now? What emotions are coming up? I think the sooner that you start to develop that almost like cooperative relationship with OCD or with your with your mind and your body, like the more that you kind of can be compassionate and try and work with it. I think if I'd have started that as well as kind of seeking help earlier, I think I would have saved myself a lot of a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah, the same, uh, totally the same. And yeah, just to always remember that it really does get better, even though people say that OCD is not a thing that you can get rid of but you can learn how to manage it you can learn how to live with it and yeah in just in um in time it will it will not go away but it will just be this kind of bully that won't be able to attack you anymore won't be able to say anything bad to you yeah for sure and i i just to build on that it absolutely can can get better with with the right help and support like i wouldn't I wouldn't have believed that I'd be in the place that I'm in a year ago. Um, like I've done things and like, I would have never spoken on a podcast. I'd been so afraid of saying something wrong, especially talking about OCD. I would have, yeah, just been too afraid to, to talk openly. So, you know, the more that I've pushed myself like gradually and kind of learned to be in that uncomfortable area, the more that like opportunities in life have just unlocked for me and the more that I've enjoyed life. And yeah, I think, it's so important that we give that message that with the right help and support, you can absolutely have a great life and be happy um, despite having OCD. Yes. And um, yeah, Jack, thank you so much for being my first guest and being on this podcast. And yeah, I want to ask you, where can people follow your journey? What are your plans? Like, what are you planning to post more on LinkedIn or do you use any other social media? Where can we find you? So I, I largely use LinkedIn. Um, so my, I don't know if it is a handle on LinkedIn. So um, my name is Jack Dodd, which is D-O-double-D. And my handle is I'm Jack Dodd. <laughs> and I also use that as well on Instagram if people want to to find me. Um, but yeah, I don't, this is a, a great thing that I'm learning as part of being more open is I don't really know where it's going to go. I'm just kind of carrying on taking opportunities as they come and continuing to like, it's a cliche, but speak my truth and speak about my experiences. So, um, yeah, that's where that, that's where I can be found. Awesome. I will put all the links in the description. And thank you so much, Jack, and have a nice day. You too. Thanks, Anastasia. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe and share. Leave comments on any platform you use for listening to podcasts. Check out the links I will leave in the description below and please email us with your stories and suggestions for the next topics. Have a great week.